This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Imagine being able to be with the bad stuff of life and simultaneously seek out and appreciate the good. How would that change your approach to life, your mood, your level of satisfaction? One of Jilly Hindman's superpowers as a coach and human is finding silver linings, finding the good in the bad, getting the learning from the discomfort. This skill, being able to choose a positive perspective and see life from it, literally changed her life. When we embody and believe this, we are enabled to approach life in challenging times from a place of empowerment, creativity and possibility, authorship, ownership and choice, rather than from a place of defeat, victimhood and blame. Valeria Tellis interviews Jilly Hindman, a heart-rageous coach, leadership coach, facilitator, writer and speaker. Jilly Hindman is a life-death leadership coach, facilitator, writer and parent with 20-plus years' experience creating safe and playful spaces for personal exploration. Jilly came to professional coaching after a career in media, marketing, communications, project and people management in both the public and private sectors because she longs for a world where everyone is completely themselves, where authenticity and self-expression are the norm, where being real is the highest level of achievement. Jilly loves helping people wake up to their true dreams, purpose, and power, and live according to the unique rage of their hearts. Along with one-on-one coaching clients, Jilly designs and leads workshops and programs, including Positively Chronic, a program to help folks living with chronic illness lighten the mental load that accompanies a long-term condition and creates conversations to demystify dying and death. She's on the faculty of Spiral Leadership, a spirit-led women's leadership program and provides pro bono coaching for the Humanitarian Coaching Network. After a cancer diagnosis, she reevaluated her lifestyle and priorities, relocated to Vancouver Island in 2018 from the Canadian prairies. You can find her hiking in forests or exploring beaches with her spouse, daughter, and dog. Meet Jilly at jillyhindman.com. Here's the interview with Jilly Hindman. In your own words, who is Jilly Heidman? Uh, well, I'm a human on planet <laughs> Earth, <laughs> having a human experience, I guess. Um, I'm a professionally a coach. Um, I coach around life, death, and leadership. I'm a facilitator. I'm a writer. I'm a parent. Um, I come from a 20 plus year background in a corporate environment. Um, I worked in a number of fields and I would say I'm an optimist and a feminist and a collaborator and a lifelong learner. 
<laughs> wow. That sounds like an interesting experience to have. <laughs> Very colorful and beautiful. And I do have lots of questions for you around optimism and seeing life as a gift and everything in it as a gift. But before that, Jelly, for now, I'll ask you these open questions. And the first one is about happiness. How do you define happiness these days? Oh, that's a great question. Um, what's coming to me is, you know, it's really about simple things in life and appreciation for what is rather than um, striving for what we don't have or what we um, might have in the future. It's really about being present for with what is in our lives and feeling appreciation for it. Um yeah, for me, it's, you know, beautiful weather and it's time outdoors in nature and being with people I love and doing um, work in the world that makes people's lives better. That's all happiness for me. And I, the other thing that just popped into my head is the, you know, that that ability to create something in the world, whatever that might be, that brings a lot of happiness. How did you come to these understandings, these ideas about life and yourself? Oh, well, I've, you know, had a had a long and varied life in yeah, my 46 yeah, years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up learning the, about the world. The, you know, you do certain things, you achieve certain things. If you put in the work, you get to this level. And then as I've been in my adult life, I've, I've, peeled back some of those beliefs and understandings of the world. And that's where that lifelong learner um, comes in is that I've been exploring things I held true and just learning more, finding out more that there's more ways to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the key is to be open and mm-hmm. be open to learn, open to life itself, right? As it comes. Yeah, and, and be willing to change your mind. Mm, <laughs> be yes. willing, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we see that a lot in the world yeah. these days where folks are taking stands for certain things based on a, on beliefs. And there's such potential growth in each of us if we can be open to hearing another side and learning a different perspective and then adjusting what we hold true. Mm. And it just makes life more colorful, I think. Yeah, I love this approach, this idea that we can see life in other people with curiosity and not judge everything so quickly because that creates separation. I mean, that is separation, one of the signs. Yeah. And, you know, that that word curiosity is really something that's driven the last, you know, 10 years of my life, um, sitting in that place of what's possible. What is that about? Why do you think that? What do you think? What do you feel? Oh, how did you come to that right. conclusion? Yeah. You know, rather than judgment, which is about closing, shutting down, mm. making wrong, making somebody yeah. else right. Yeah. Like that's, it's just not a place of growth and evolution. How do we learn to see that with curiosity, to be open to that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's such a challenge for folks who are living with chronic pain in particular, who, you know, it can, it can blur, it can take up your whole field of vision, it can get in the way of everything. And so having a real connection to your physical body and your mental body, and your emotional body and your spiritual body, and 
looking, the, the place I go to is what is the message that's coming through? So as you know, if someone's managing pain, what is the message in the pain? What is it trying to tell me? What can I learn from it? How can I adapt the rest of my being to allow this pain to even get to a place of welcoming it, which is quite a stretch? Um, and and just, you know, the word surrender comes up um, sometimes, allowing what is, surrendering to what is, uh, letting go of resistance, and allowing it to flow through rather than block up if that makes sense. <laughs> it does, yeah. And I wonder if that takes trust, trust in, in yourself and um, a higher being. And I do want to ask the question about spirituality. When you say spiritual body, what do you mean by mm-hmm. that, Jelly? Yeah, I just mean, you know, everyone's got their own spiritual beliefs or practices or even the way they hold spirituality. Um, but I think it's something that's becoming more and more um, awakened in the world and more openly talked about in the public rather than keeping it a private part of ourselves. Um, and so it's really that for me, um, it's the connection to something bigger than me, the connection to oneness, um, that the fact that everything, all living things are connected in some way. And that provides to me um a perspective that gets me out of my own you know (laughs) out of my own business and up sort of up into a space of being able to see okay I'm not necessarily in control of everything happening in my life I can influence it I can um hope I can plan and there is this level of trust in something bigger that, uh, you know, I need to, I need to surrender to, uh, otherwise I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make myself crazy by trying to control every last thing. Uh, so really I feel like that spiritual aspect, uh, can play such a strong, helpful role in providing a broader view of ourselves and mm-hmm. of life in general. Speaking of control, that's a big one, the control Mm -hmm. piece. (laughs) What, from your perspective today, what do you believe or think we have control of? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I flip and flop on this one, depending on the situation. But I, I feel like and I believe that we have control in our responses to what happens to us. Uh, We cannot necessarily control the circumstances we are born into, uh, the the people that come into our lives, the situations or events that happen to us, but we can always control our response to those things. And I'll give that a caveat that some of us are better resourced to respond in healthier more resourceful ways than other folks who are not as resourced as some of us. Um, So we do the best, you know, my bottom line on that is that we do the best we can with what we've given, we're given in each moment. And all we can control is our response, our mindset, our attitude, and where we direct our energy and attention. 
I love that idea that we can respond in a peaceful way, in a positive way. So it doesn't hurt even more because choosing the option of getting upset just makes the whole situation even worse. Yeah, like you said, some people are not equipped with those tools. So sometimes you just, they don't choose the option that will better their lives and the environment and other people's lives. And speaking of that, I think about resilient people like yourself. What makes someone resilient? What is some of the qualities you have? Mm. Yeah, I think it's... um being resilient, it's, it begins with that willingness to learn from what happened. Um, so that's certainly something that has allowed me to grow through all aspects of my life is that that question I always ask myself is what can I learn from this? Uh, and, you know, having a having an optimistic or a positive attitude, not necessarily always positive thoughts, but a positive attitude toward possibility um, really creates uh, a strong sense of resilience as well. So willingness to learn, choosing to see that there can be good in the bad uh, really can help us bounce back, weather a storm, ride a wave, uh, deal with a setback that we're not, you know, we didn't sign up for, we didn't want, but it can help us manage through it. And this is something that, from your perspective, is something that's always learned or it sometimes happens that we have within ourselves. We are born that way. Yeah, I think, again, it comes to that that idea of some of us are born better resourced than other folks. Right. And so some of us come in with a higher threshold or just more innate skills or um, what's the word, like sensibilities or traits that allow us to bounce back more easily, more quickly, keep moving through change without as much struggle as someone else who isn't born with those same um, benefits sort of stacking up for them. And so it might take them longer to learn some skills or to implement some skills of resilience Or, um, you know, they may never get to a place of being truly resilient. And that's just, you know, that's the uniqueness of each person on the planet and the situations we're born into and that we live through. Uh, Yeah. So it's not something that we should blame ourselves for not having because it's natural (laughs) sometimes, right? Not, Not to be born in such a way or this way with these qualities. Yeah, it's like, you know, I think of like our physical bodies, right? So someone is born with a natural tendency to be more flexible in their limbs, right? They can do the splits, they can bend (laughs) over backwards, and and (laughs) they can work at those skills through their life to maintain that flexibility. Other folks like me might be born not so flexible and bendy in our tendons and muscles, and I could work at that my whole life and not not achieve a degree of flexibility. And so I look at resilience the same way. Some of us just come in with, you know, the the things stacked, all the the best things stacked for us, and others come in with uh, a lot of stuff stacked against us. And yeah. we do what we can in each moment to 
grow and learn and move forward through our lives. You are a, ah, that's an interesting word. I think you created this one. <laughs> Heart-righteous, heart-righteous yes. coach. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's life and death leadership coaching. What do you do? Talk to me for a moment. How did you come up with this word first? I love the heart and then courageous. It seems like it's a combination, but talk to me about it. And what was the inspiration for becoming this type of coach? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I love that you picked up those two words, heart and courageous. It, this word came out of a coaching session I was doing with my coach at the time a few years ago, when I had left the corporate world and was doing internal coaching and people leadership. And I was moving into running my own business and solely focusing on coaching and facilitating. And I was looking to position myself or brand myself or create something that explained or captured the kind of work I wanted to do in the world and the kind yeah. of clients I wanted to work with. Yeah. And this word just came out of our mouths mm -hmm. and I grabbed yeah. it. <laughs> and it's so it really so heartrageous is, um, I mean, it comes from the heart it comes from each individual's heart and their own unique uh, experience of life and desires and passions for their life. It speaks to the courage it takes to follow your own heart, um, which in our Western world in particular, we are not encouraged to follow our hearts. We're encouraged to tick the boxes and, and fill a particular path. Um, it speaks to truth and listening to ourselves. It speaks to being real and authentic about who we really are and who we really want to be and how we want to live. And there's a there's an element of joyfulness to it as well, because heartrageous sounds a bit outrageous, which uh, brings in my playful side. And um, yeah, so it's kind of this mishmash word that yeah, we totally made up. And I just thought, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I love that combination yeah. of the heart and courage, which I have mm -hmm. heard that's where the word heart comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in French, and I think Spanish and some of the other love languages, cour is heart. And so courage. And I love that word rage, which is like, not rage as an anger, but like rage as in take action and do something that's fueled by passion and love. Talk to me about your experience with uh, chronic illness. Yeah, so this has been a, in in my coaching practice, this has been a new area of focus for me in the last year, uh, where I've I have a program called Positively Chronic, where I help folks adapt their mindset to live positively with a chronic condition, whatever that might be. And my it comes from my 40 years of experience of living with type one diabetes. And so I was diagnosed as a kid and I grew up as a diabetic and had to do all the things. And, you know, along with managing diabetes comes the frustration, the mental load, the uh, disappointments of, you know, opportunities that just aren't available or safe for me to pursue. Um, yeah. And so the interesting piece is that I 
didn't ever really talk about my uh, diabetic diagnosis and management publicly. It's just something that I did in order to stay alive and get through the day. And I didn't really make it front and center. And then I was working with my coach and it really became clear that this was a part of me that could provide value to other people. And that's what my, my work is about in the world is really providing value to other people so they can live their courageous, heart-rageous lives. And my coach said something really um, impactful to me that uh, was along the lines of, you know, I'm by keeping this to myself, this piece of me and all my knowledge and um, experience and grief and disappointment and optimism that comes out of it, uh, I'm really holding back from my clients and from folks who could benefit from it. And that sort of flipped a light bulb or flipped a switch for me and turned on a light bulb, I guess that, well, here's something I can leverage or, you know, share that will be of benefit to others. And so I had to do my own work um, and really look at what were the impacts of this condition on my life, not just in my physical existence, but, you know, on my, on an emotional level, on a mental level. And I really unlocked, um, you know, some deep learning, some deep grief uh, that has in turn become really beneficial in sharing with other folks. I just finished a six-week run of my program and I had um, some of the participants share the impact it had just during our last session. And I was getting teary because it had a real impact on their lives. And I thought to myself, you know, if I hadn't have opened this door these people's lives wouldn't, they wouldn't have acquired these skills or, um, you know, at this point in their lives, maybe they would have someday, but I felt really validated for being public about, you know, something I'd held quite private for most of my life. Yeah, that shows the impact of um, vulnerability, being vulnerable, not being afraid of of being ourselves and sharing what we are going through. Yeah. And I, I have to say like that, that's the thing for me. My very top value is real, is being real. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and for yeah. me to not be real with people yeah. and to hold something back um, felt so misaligned. And so it wasn't, it wasn't even a question of, do I pursue this? Do I talk about this? It was, it was a given. It's a beautiful thing when we can do that, just be vulnerable, no fear of <laughs> judgment of how people will perceive it. That's interesting because now we know the more vulnerable we are, the more we connect with others in a deeper sense, really. Yeah. To me, is the only way really to deeply connect. Yes. From yeah. that perspective. When we let our, yeah. When we take off our masks and let down our guard and share yeah. what's really going on under the surface, that's where we have that deep human connection. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Really. Let me see. There's something. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about chronic illnesses. Have you found a cause or has this been uh, discovered, researched causes and the cure? Or is this a healing process that it can take a lifetime? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the condition, right? So some some conditions, there's an identifiable cause and a cure that can be found. For others, um, like mine, it's a it's a lifelong management, and there's there's things I can do that make that management better, more easeful and there's things I can do or not do that can make my management less so um and so I think it's really specific to each person and their condition and um when you're living in particular with a lifelong uh, condition that may have a trajectory to worsen over time um Having some mental skills, some emotional skills to some resilient skills to weather that and the changes that come, the unknowns that come, um, that can make that that journey of managing that condition so much easier over the long haul. It allows us to find joy despite um, having a really crappy thing we have to deal with most of the time. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine because this is not something that I have experienced. Mm-hmm. Although I see that we are much more affected in a negative way by thoughts and emotions than physical mm-hmm. pain from what I see. Yeah, well, and again, um, I mean, there's different schools of thoughts and people have different beliefs and different experiences that... Um, yeah, I, I think there's so much emerging research and I'm not a, I'm not a researcher, but I know there's a lot of research around the mind body connection. And there's, I mean, I know anecdotally from when I learned some skills to deal with things in my own condition that used to really get me down or make me angry or frustrated. And I would carry those negative emotions for a long time. Now that I've learned skills to let those flow rather than hold on to them, uh, my life, like I'm not having these peaks and valleys of emotions and moods. I'm able to you know, ride the wave a little more easily and um, spend more time in the joyful parts of life and less time in the negative swirly parts of life. Would you say that that's a choice? Is that a choice you're making or it's using the skills and trusting that they will work? Yeah, I think it's I think it's all all of that. <laughs> it's right, like, right. Because um when we realize that we have choice in what we're thinking and how we're reacting or responding, then we can apply the skills to remind us of that choice. Um, it's really the difference between feeling like we're a victim of our circumstances or a victim of the mm. condition that our physical body has right. And, right. and shifting into feeling empowered yeah. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. choose our response. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that we can mm-hmm. move from that space of victimhood to mm-hmm. thriver. To yeah, I'm um, open to life, <laughs> how yeah. it comes. That's a beautiful place to be. Yeah, and I absolutely love your message. This is a gift. Everything's a gift, and even chronic disease or any kind of challenge can be a gift. So the way you say it, you say, see and appreciate the gifts your condition brings to your life. So, and you have found in your own life, lots of gifts 
I I love them too. I have them here, some of them. (laughs) You say, here is what I can directly attribute to living with type 1 diabetes for nearly 40 years. Mm. And then you say amazing things. I am a master (laughs) planner and I am incredibly organized. (laughs) I am in tune with my body. That's wisdom. I mean, uh, beautiful wisdom. I know more about food and nutrition. I can do mental math. (laughs) That's cute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have high pain tolerance. I've created uh, healthy boundaries. I know Mm -hmm. how to navigate. Oh, I didn't put the rest here. I am compassionate. Really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then you say other things that really caught my attention. You say, I've learned to really prioritize what is important to me and to focus my energy there. Yeah. Focusing on what matters in life and not being Mm -hmm. focused on the things that small things. I have learned to ask for help and more importantly, to accept it. I've learned to live for each moment. That's another one that I love. And then you say, you made me laugh because you said, (laughs) I am still the F word I can say here. (laughs) Awesome. Despite this condition, I am still a contributing member of society, an amazing parent and partner. I am living a life that is good and meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. I sense so much empowerment in these statements. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's really, you know, isn't it more fun and isn't life more worthwhile when we can live from a place of empowerment, of choice, of ownership, no matter what's happening in our lives, rather than the place of victimhood. That's if there's kind of a, you know, a bottom line to the, the, how, what I help people do. It's really that it's knowing they have a choice and choosing to be empowered by that choice, whatever choice they choose to make. I find it challenging coming from um, a space of conditions, which is the the human mind and body. Mm. That's the space that they seem to be conditioned. Mm -hmm. Seems to me like it's a challenge to come from that place. So the more I go deeper into spirituality to find out what this is all about, it seems like it's, it always goes back to that unconditional love to Mm. everything that there is, just accepting everything deeply, unconditionally, and then moving from there, whatever happens, it's okay. Yeah. And you know, that makes me think of, um, I I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying, you know, that my message is just live in a positive place, just live with happiness. It is that unconditional acceptance of everything that is. And one of the like, one of the things I'm really Mm. clear with my clients and myself about is that living with a chronic condition, for example, really sucks. Like it's hard some days. It's really challenging and we're not going to pretend it isn't. So part of being real and accepting it and learning to live well with it is to, to acknowledge the challenging parts, the hard parts, the frustrating parts, the parts that make us feel less than the parts that feel really unfair. And only when we acknowledge those emotions and feelings and thoughts, can we also then move into a place of choice and empowerment? If we ignore those negative or those detrimental 
ideas or thoughts, we're, we're, we're not being real. We're not having our full view of our lives. Um, It's like we're playing one line, Mm. one note of a song, not all the Mm. notes of the song. (laughs) Yes, yes. That is, um, yeah, one of the most powerfully profound messages I can ever hear. It's Mm. that unconditional acceptance, unconditional, we can call it love, but unconditional Mm. acceptance sounds better in a way, because (laughs) love, we have these ideas, right? Well, it seems like we have to love what we don't like. So that doesn't yeah. sound so good, but acceptance sounds so much better. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah mm. it's like it takes the pressure off, right? Like yeah. some people, yeah. some some folks can get to the place where they actually appreciate that they have a condition or have had a scary diagnosis of some kind or have had a hardship in their life. They can get to the place where they celebrate it and thank it for showing up in their lives. And it's okay that not everyone gets there. But if we can get to the place of accept, this happened to me. I couldn't stop it. I accept that it happened. It it deflates the pressure around around it. And it'll, it opens up for people the ability to move forward and to focus on more in their lives than just that bad thing. One Another thing that I would like to mention is that I noticed that we tend to say <clears throat> my disease or my mm. pain. So maybe it would be a good idea to remove that because that's taking ownership for almost like something that happens. That's life itself happening. It's not mm-hmm. something that we chose. <clears throat> like from my perspective, I wouldn't say that. Like when yeah. I have anything, I say the pain, the, I never use mine. Yeah. I don't own that pain. Right. Yeah. It's I'm not sure if that makes sense to you, but. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it makes me think of, uh, I was uh, a few years ago, I had this distinction of, I used to say, I am diabetic. Right. And it, right. and then I switched to I have mm-hmm. diabetes right. or, right. Uh, you know, it, there's a slight change there in how I mm. see myself and yeah. the amount of space diabetes takes up in my life or in my identity, I right. guess, is more right. accurate. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. exactly what you're saying. I think that my disease, my pain the shift into the or it, and it, it separates it a little bit. It is, um, I use this metaphor in my program of a backpack where uh, if we think of our conditions, our disease as a backpack that we have to carry around right. with us, it's not going anywhere, but it's not us. It's, mm, it's right. attached to us. It's not right. all of us. Right. We can take it off. We can look at it. We can examine it. We can see what we're carrying around right. in it. Right. Uh, we can lighten our load a little bit. We can move <laughs> things around. Um, but it's, it's not in our whole being. There's more mm. to us than our diagnosis or condition or circumstance. I love that analogy. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's kind of closer to this idea of no ownership because I do see everyone and everything as life itself happening. I don't mm-hmm. really see myself as this happening, <laughs> which is kind of a, a different perspective, more yeah. perception. But and then it's not a detachment because there's no space between if I had a disease, for example, there's no space between this, but the body, the disease, everything's connected. It's one. And 
it's just there's something here that responds to it, that mm-hmm. chooses to respond, which I don't even, I don't know what, what that is, which we call the I. But not sure, this is a different conversation, I would say, <laughs> altogether. <laughs> We're almost at the end, Jelena. I have a few more questions okay. for you. But before that, would you like to add anything? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just, you know, I have to say I'm still learning, right? I'm like, I don't have it all figured out. And it, I still have days that are crappy and where I struggle with negative thinking and get really feel real setbacks. And I forget sometimes that I have tools and resources to pull myself out of that. And so just permission to everyone to continue to be human and do the best you can with what you've got and um, have some grace and compassion for everyone because we're all carrying things that other people don't see or don't know about. And if we can just consider, you know, coming from that place of unconditional love and acceptance for everyone and um, offer what we can to them on their journey as we are on our journeys of learning and growing and, you know, hopefully leaving the world a better place than when we showed up in it. A few more questions for you. Let me see. Let me ask. I have so many here, Jelly, but mm-hmm. I usually ask the ending ones pretty much the same questions. Let me see for you. I'll ask this one. What is another word for healing? Oh, what is another word for healing? The, the word that pops into my head is love. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, uh, I don't have much to back that up with. It's, it's more of an intuitive hit I just got. It's, um, I think the other, the other one that comes to me now is, is growth. Um, healing is really growth on all our, all of our, all aspects of ourselves. So physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, whatever else, what other selves we have, you know. Right, right. Love and growth, yeah. 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 Oh, it resonates true to me, especially unconditional Mm. love or anything that has to do with unconditioning or the unconditional uh, space. So two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving the body, losing the body, would you make Mm. any change or do anything in a different way? Mm. Well, that's a great question. And it's a great reminder to me because I've been through this exercise a few times in my life. Um, And I'm, I'm happy to say I'm at a point in my life where I'm living life on my terms. I'm spending my time and energy doing things that are fulfilling to me and with the people I love most. Um, I think the one change I would make would be to uh, close my circle into my immediate family and put all my energy into them. Um, Perhaps uh, pull back from my clients and that kind of thing. but really, uh, I've made changes over the last several years that have led me to living a really good, fulfilling, meaningful life yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah, that sounds wonderful. My last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Mm. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, for sure. I know that life is unpredictable. 
I know that life is an adventure. And I know that life is hmm, outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. We got to get to that point too. Yeah, just to the core being ourselves, right? From yeah. that space of courage. I agree. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jilly. Thank Again, you. for your presence, your wisdom, the work you do, and everything in between that can be felt. Thank you. Mm, thank you so much. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your products, services, and future projects? Yeah, the best place to go is my website, which is jillyhindman.com. And um, from there, you can read my blog, you can see the programs I offer, you can connect to me on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, I, that's kind of the, the main place where I keep things hopefully up to date. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile. Okay. Thank Great. you so much again, Jilly, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jilly Hindman and her work, please visit jillyhindman.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.